Don't, don't even ask. It's like, don't even, don't even ask. Why bother asking? Why bother asking why YouTube is, I say 415 and they say 442? Why bother asking? You are now about to witness the awesome, late, and yet crushing might of the U.G.S. Robinson show stomper that needs another hoster other than YouTube. The kid is sleeping. So let's just say stomper. I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know if anybody's getting this show. And I forgot my pipe. Here, I'll substitute glasses. Pipe, they're the same thing. Welcome, my friends, to a show that apparently seemingly not only gets started very late, but uh, barely ever ends. This is round number one. Six, six, the stock price of the beast. I'm Eugene S. Robinson. We're going to have Bob Riley sing us in as he has every day, every week, once a week since 2007. Stigmata, calling of the just. The song is called Intro All of Nothing. It's still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they shoot you to death in a nightclub and they hit your car with a hammer. Until then, we'll let Rob, uh, Bob, I'm sure people call him Rob too, <laughs> Bob Riley, sing us into existence. Listen, listen well. I'm taking a real good look at you, at your face. So being paid back and for always nothing. All right, all right. Um, this is getting to be uh, wearisomely predictable. This YouTube thing. I don't know what to tell you. I, I do not um, know what to tell you. Um, I, I guess Steph is uh, Steph and and June are somehow thinking about trying, or maybe more specifically June, thinking about getting us on a different platform that still ties into YouTube but doesn't rely on um, their clearly overtaxed network to get this show to happen. From my point of view, from their point of view, I guess it doesn't make very much of a difference whether this show goes out live or on time or not. But um, uh, again. Here we go, foreshadowing in literary terms. It is clear that the, the backbone of their business might not be little people like me, but uh, you know that there is a place where just celebrities kind of go, and, and it's kind of called MySpace, or or people who are clearly trying to you know it, it's just you know you're either going to be a public service or you're not. So anyway, let's get the commercials out of the way and get to uh, the meditation. Now the kid's still sleeping, so this is a good time to do it. I just can't shout. Uh, the house is small enough where I will wake her up. So uh, first commercial is Chris R-I-N-I. Rini, Rini, Rini. He did a whole tutorial, which I suspect was just for me, on uh, on how to pronounce his name correctly. And as soon as I clicked on the, the video of like, there's been some confusion about how to pronounce my name. I, I, it was like too long, couldn't listen. <laughs> I just couldn't, you know, because now, now that I've got it wrong in my head, you know, it's like the guy with the the, the kids in the hall, you know, don't throw salt in your eyes. Don't I, now, which is it I'm supposed to do? Throw salt in my eyes and not throw salt. I can't remember. Anyway, tomorrow, May 24th, Monday, May 24th, he's coming out with a book that matches the words of maybe eight different people and his illustrations. And I have to honestly say that um, 
I write about Johnny Boney Joni and Daniel Cormier. And I, I haven't written any serious pieces, really. Well, I mean, the Benil Dariush piece for Ozzy was a fairly serious, straight journalistic piece. But this is a thought piece. And this is like, um, this is like, uh, it, it, it is like showstopper, but without all the UFO asides. So, and it's some writing that I, I, I couldn't really be happier with. His last, his last one sold out um, really fast. That's why I do not have a copy of it. Anyway, he goes live tomorrow, I think at noon. Um, and you should, I have no idea how much the copies are, um, but you should get one just so that I can get one from you because I'll, I'll never be fast enough to get one tomorrow. So that is Mr. IS. So, um, so that's the first commercial. Pinko95014 at yahoo.com is where you go if you want to PayPal something. Uh, there is Cash App. There's Venmo. Uh, there's the old-fashioned way in an envelope uh, like Tommy LB does. The man, the plan, the guy who's as regular as rain. You guys owe him a debt, serious debt of, of gratitude. Um, but anyway, that's it with the commercials. We've got Chris Rini, 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 and uh, this is version one, a six, a six, uh, um, the stock price of the beast. So let, let's get right into the show since the kid's going to wake up. We're late and uh, we've got to get into it. And I'll give you, I'll give you the genesis of this. Um, if you, first of all, you, you should be subscribed uh, to the Eugene S. Robinson Substack. So, because then, uh, then more of this will make sense to you than less. Um, and I don't even know why I put it here because I, I find that uh, I find that you'll probably all say, "Hey, yeah, no, I already subscribed." But then I'm always like, like, there's always that guy like Archer showing up five, fifty minutes late. So, man, what you need to do is a Substack. I, I, I've been doing a Substack, man. Really? Have you? In fact. I now do that to people just to drive them crazy because it drives me so crazy. You know, man, you should, you should be in a band. I've been in a band. Really? What do you, what do you do? What do you, for how long? <laughs> so, so if you're not subscribed, subscribe. Um, this ties into my, uh, uh, my piece on Israel, which got kicked off sort of uh, when I did five easy pieces last week with Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth. And he started ranting kind of about Israel. And I was like, ah, I, got, I got to do a piece. Because anybody who wades, who wades into that wading pool with an expectation that, one, they should be taken seriously or could be taken seriously, or that they have an opinion that's worth anything, um, is, 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 <laughs> is making a big, grievous error. You know, I mean, even look, you go, you got to go back to the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem who fell under Hitler's, either he fell under Hitler's sway or Hitler managed to, to um, uh, be convinced by him. But it, largely these things were anti-Semitism of the 1900s in, in the Middle East was a relatively foreign concept. Um, and you're like, Eugene, what, what do you know about anything? I got a whole, got a whole library, got a whole uh, arms, arms length away. These are random books that I could just g grab, you know. Uh, this is the guy, incidentally, maybe this is not so random, Evan Wright, who I covered an old UFC event. And he was saying that, uh, he was saying, I don't know what it is about Tito. He's been nothing but nice to me, but he just reminds me of the guys in high school who I hated. <laughs> So a little bit of what we call foreshadowing there, uh, impressions as well. So this goes back to Thurston Moore. And I, then I said, okay, I, I spent a lot of time in Israel. I want to write about it. I think the time is right. And, and then I started to think about image projection and witchcraft, which is what I consider film work or media portrayals of something. Now, there's a, there's a woman. Her name is, I think, Emily Wilder. I have it here. And she is a daughter of a friend of mine. And you, if you may have read about her, um, she went to work for AP. Let me see if I could find her name. Uh, yeah, uh, the Associated Press terminates new staffer amid uproar over tweets about Israel and Palestinians, sparking backlash. She's uh, Jewish. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Good for you. Good for you, that, that Evan Wright. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, Emily Wilder. So she's Steve Ballinger's ex-wife's daughter. Um, 
Yeah, I, yeah, that that's a big mistake to ask Tito that. So she got fired. She's she's Jewish, but she uh, um, is uh, critical of Israel's response. They came under pressure from right wing uh, ideologues, and so AP fires her. Okay, so the, I, I just start thinking about um, I start thinking about mythos, right? And it's like, and how I think in the comment that I wrote below about how you know the the mythos of the thing is more dangerous and more harmful than the thing itself, right? And and, and I start to much like I I prefigured the Nazis as being the seat of all modern industrialized evil, uh, which is how they got to be such a regular drinking game mentioned during the show. I've often started to think about um, our destructive, uh, you know, connection or relationship to, to mythos, and, and I remember, I remember um, Anton LaVey saying to me one time, he goes, uh, "More people have been killed by popularity than anything else," and that sat with me for a while. Popularity, I mean, popularity kill kill somebody, and then I start to, th- and then I start to remember a friend of mine who may or may not be listening to this show. Um, let's just call him Mr. Eric. So in the early days of Facebook and kind of social media, Mr. Eric reaches out. He's an Oxbow fan. We become, in the old days, we could have called pen pals. And um, and uh, uh, Mr. Eric is you know now his fam, completely top to bottom family. Um, but at the time, he was dating this woman. And at first. There's a great line from the the Raven, the Raven with uh, Peter Lorre and Vincent Price, and he 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 Peter Lorre gets turned into a a Raven by another magician uh, who's also played by somebody famous other than, than than Vincent Price, whose name I can't remember. Maybe Herbert Lom. I think maybe Herbert Lom. And he he Vincent Price turns him back into a human, and he is asking Peter Lorre what happened. And Peter Lorre says, "Well, I was over at the wizard's house, wizard's castle." I started drinking, and he goes, at first I became critical, and then I became cruel. And that line has actually stuck with me about, about critical and cruel. So that you, 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 you know, the, the, the line is so, is, 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 is so very thin um, uh, sometimes. Jesus Christ, I'm edgy because last night at 2 in the morning, a car exploded um, about 15 yards in front of my house, <laughs> I mean, exploded, like exploded. Have you ever heard have something, a car explode clo- close to you? Um, it, it has a subsonic rumble. You may not be able to see much. Now you could just see my reflection. This is the after effect, after the cops got there. Oh, those are my kids. Um, uh, let me get to the flame part. There you go. There you go. If you follow me on uh, Instagram, you've already seen this picture or on Facebook. Let's see we can actually see the, the lump of the car in there, a flame, flame 60 feet high. Um, <laughs> so, And this is the night before where there were explosions outside, and I go outside again, two in the morning, packing, but there are five cats walking toward me. I smell the weed, I smell the alcohol, these guys are walking toward me, and I'm standing there in my version of pajamas, which are house shoes, shorts, and a t-shirt, just standing looking there. And they know I'm standing at two in the morning in front of my house. They don't know it's my house. I'm standing on the sidewalk in response to the fact that they've been setting off sticks of dynamite out in the street. Okay. So you could tell there are five of them. They're feeling their oats because there are five of them. And uh, I don't say anything because I come in peace, prepared for war. And uh, four break off, go down one street, and one heads down with him and then turns around and comes back. And, and as he, he walks uncomfortably close to me, but, you know, this is only going to end one way, right? So, and then he goes, up, goes off into the night. And this is a, pro- the, these products are, are connected to, to make me uh, more edgy than not. Anyway, that was, a, that, that was an explanation of the kid just woke up. That was an explanation of, of me being unsettled by the car noise, which I doubt you even heard. So anyway, so back, back, back to the mythos. So, um, so I start to think about this idea that popularity has killed more people than anything. Oh, what does it mean? The popular. So this guy, Mr. Eric, 
this woman, his girlfriend at the time, starts sending me emails back and forth. And at first, you know, at first I, I, I was critical and then I became cruel. You know, her emails were requiring something or requesting something that was completely confusing to me. You know, like she would take runs at me. Now, I, I finally, at one point, like asked asked Mister E. I was like, "What's the deal with? I can't even I can't even remember her name at this point in time." And what's the deal? Rose something. Um. So not now, not now, I'm Junis. I said, "What's the deal with you know your your girl?" What's it? He's like, "I look, man. I look. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know." And then finally, in one, and this one was married. She had my friend as a lover, whatever. She sends me, she has a moment of clarity and she sends me an email. This is a person who I've never met, who I've never spoken to, who's leaving increasingly bizarre and personal comments to pictures of shit that have nothing to do with her on my Facebook in the early days of Facebook. And then finally, she writes me. In a moment of clarity, she writes me and she says, I don't understand why. Your shit on here gets more likes than my shit on here. I'm, you know, emoji, top of my head exploding. And, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Also, side note, she, she later after she broke up with Mr. E, had sex with a friend of mine who I haven't seen since I was 12 years old. The power of social media. <laughs> He flew out from New York to Idaho or God knows wherever she was. I was like, man, that's 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 a cock assist across the ages. That guy had to reach back to us being campers and 12 years old. He capitalized on that and he got himself laid. Oh my God, how great was that, right? Good for him. Good for you, Richie, which is what I said at the time. But here he or she she she's ups, up, upset. Uh, you know, a 46-year-old housewife in Idaho, and I don't see any of that in a pejorative sense about either being 46, younger than me, or a housewife, whatever, somehow believes that 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 in this in this world's most uncomfortable dinner party that is social media, that we should all be paying attention to her observations. And I start to think about the particular curse that kicks in. When, when women are in their 40s and, and suddenly become, you know, there's a certain, your connection is unstable. Please wait while we try reconnecting. Yeah, I guess. In my experience, women who have hit 40, they go a little crazy. I mean, when I was 17, how many women did I sleep with that were in the 40, close to 40, you know, a, a fair a number. So, so she's upset. And I start to think, where did she get this idea? Where did she get this idea that people would 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 care why would you know and i go that's everybody's idea it 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 wasn't our space it was my space this is everybody's idea every commercial every everything everything that we're exposed to that we breathe that we eat that we follow all of it is premised on this idea that you that me, that we are stars of our own dramas. The mythos, and, and especially, especially when we're talking about, the, you know, in, in a normative heterosexual scenario, the, the, the mythos of, 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 of women. How many times have you seen that scene in movies where the hot car pulls up and the hot music is playing, and the car turns sideways, and the door opens, and a well-shod, high, red, a high-heeled foot sticks its leg out, and it's like shorthand for hot. Or that movie with Angelina Jolie, which where she plays a spy with Johnny Depp, and all the the surveillance team that's watching her keeps talking about how hot she is. When in actual fact, she looks gaunt, unhappy to be there, and not hot at all. But they just have to let us know. It's. Do you think? At first, I thought it's a lack of imagination. You know, listen, let me tell you something. There's a lot of shit that lacks imagination, but doesn't get the same kind of play as that front scene. And we're all supposed to understand it. I remember being 16 years old on a high school uh, in high school on the subway, and some woman come, comes on the subway 
and she's dressed, you know, you know that in, in the mirror that she, before she left her house, she said, I'm going to dress to impress, to be sexy. It was a Friday night. She's probably going to a club and she's like surveying the whole subway train. And I remember it, this is 16, right? When my hormones, you know, where my hormones are going crazy. And she's like looking and I just, I used everything in my earthly power just to stare ahead and not look at it. And Kasha says, well, it seems like it takes more energy to do that than I, well, I just look at people and I don't, I, get, I said, I'm not giving out pleasure for free. This is the Eugene Robinson School of CSA, compulsory self-advancement. You are a prisoner of that fucking mythos. And you're, and, and, and you're shocked. You're shocked when it's like that guy who I met at Gold's Gym who's driving a yellow, like, gold wing door convertible fucking Ferrari. He jumps out of the car. He's got, his name was Mike Ping, and he owes me money now at this point, so I don't mind mentioning his name. And he jumps out of the car. He's got a muscle tee on. He's got tight gator shorts. He gets into the middle of the parking lot. He does his arabesque, and he takes his uh, his uh, his uh, car alarm and, and turns it off. So everybody, okay, all right. It later, I go, this guy's a fucking prick. But later on in the gym, he starts talking to me, and in the first five minutes, what he says to me is, you know what I'm really looking for, man? And this is this is this is the gay test. You know, that, that two guys meet each other in a setting where it's not entirely clear, and one of them, the weakest one usually, has to put out there that he's not gay somehow. So he he tells me, like, yeah, hey, you know what, uh, 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 what I'm really looking for. Yeah, I go, what's that? He goes, I, I, I'm looking for I'm looking for a woman that loves me for the real me. Oh, you he's a living embodiment of that scene where the car comes up and the door opens and the foot is there. He is trapped by the mythos. Oh, no woman should pay attention to this guy just to help him. And in actual fact, he got the kind of woman that would, would he got the kind of woman he deserved, if you know what I mean. Last time I heard, she got everything, ruined him, scuttled his ship, and you know, the real him, you got, you got. You got a woman who loved you for the real you, because there was no real you there. So this mythos is 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 dangerous and it and it traps us. And there, but Barry Sobel, his name I was trying to recall the other day in jujitsu, couldn't remember his name. Barry Sobel, a comedian who is much funnier than Adam Sandler. You want to take New York Jewish comedian, you know, Gen X type. He sh he's got to be sitting at home going, what? How is Adam Sandler a multimillionaire? I'm still sitting at my mom's house. Sobel was great. And he did this piece where he took every single stereotype and he goes, right, okay. And he's Jewish. He goes, uh, Jews are not good with money. Right. Okay. And he just goes through, you know, he just goes through every every stereotype and, and makes fun of them. You know, it's it's comical, right? So <laughs> it's a great, it's 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 a great routine. But what he's fundamentally talking about is is mythos, right? Mythos. And I mentioned this as a as as a long, you know, 23, 23 minute plus prelude because that is precisely why if any of you are feeling any dint of misery at all connected to your connection to MMA, it is the mythos that has us trapped. It is more dangerous than the thing itself. The thing itself, mythos ruins everything. These these I these these ideas that we have about how things work. Versus how things actually work. And, but in some of it, I, I was thinking like, you know, why do I love Christmas music all year round? I said, well, there are two types of people. There are people who like Christmas music all year round. And there are people who hate Christmas music all year round. And, the people, and of the people who hate Christmas music all year round, they're, they're divided into two groups as well. There, some people who hate Christmas music all year round, it's because Christmas is so special for them. Right? Um, it's so special to them. That that they don't like to see it prostituted all during the year, and then there 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 are other people who who it's just a reminder of how miserable their childhoods were, so they just can't stand Christmas music at all. But me, I love Christmas music 24, 24 no twelve months out of the year because I was going to say twenty four hours a day, twelve months out of the year because because I had a great childhood. Things got weird later, but you know what I mean. In general, I think about my childhood. It's it fairly cool. And it had a great mixture of things. 
and had the correct measure of mythos, magic. I mean, I remember being like being excited about the possible existence of of Santa Claus. I remember before bed, you know, a largely a, a, a religious family, but I remember having a bed routine that involved saying, "Now I lay me down to sleep, saying prayers, and you know, and uh, and then sending love out to the people who I love, my my nana, and so and so forth." I remember this stuff. It was a perfect combination. Of, 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 of things. But if you, if it's, it's like a diet, if I eat and a friend of mine decide, if it's good enough for chimps, it's good enough for me. I go, what does that mean? He goes, well, it means that I'm eating nothing but fruit from now on. You're eating nothing but fruit. Yep. 24 hours a day fruit. So dude starts to eat nothing but fruit. He does his workouts. This is a guy I used to tra uh, train with, but then shit starts to happen, right, bro? You can't, you can't just eat nothing but fruit. His hair starts to fall out. It just doesn't work for him, right? He figures that. So if, if you you can't be overrepresented in one of these categories, otherwise things start to start to get weird. And you got to realize, mythos is designed to get weird. If I start talking to you passionately about Santa Claus right now, we're in a bar, and I start talking to you seriously about Santa Claus right now, you'd be a little weirded out. There's a great skit on SNL where they did where uh, 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 who's that guy Gosling Ryan Gosling plays a guy who's like super into Santa Claus is gonna be here. And that kind of underscores it. You'd be disturbed. You ah Boris called yeah, thank you yeah so you you you'd be you'd be disturbed. See if you, if you don't get into the ADD of this show you don't know that I'm talking about the movie with Carla with uh, uh, Peter Laurie and Vincent Price. Whatever. Okay. So, um, so you, 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 it has to exist in the right, in the right, but the mythos is designed, is designed like the fruit eating guy. It's designed to fuck you up if you allow it to be overrepresented. Some guy says to me, oh, Eugene, hey, yeah, Eugene, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you, you've had, you know, you, You'd get dated a lot of women, you know, and because uh, well, you gotta help me, man. You gotta what, give me give me some good pickup lines. Like, what do you use? What is what are they be able to put your top? I say, okay, you got your pen ready. He goes, yeah, 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 I got, I got it. What I go, hey, he goes, okay. So what I start off with? He goes, yeah, this is what I start. With. Get your pen ready. He's yeah, hello. What? That's it? Yeah, that's it. So hello, because I'm not buying the mythos like the guy in the Lord Dunsany story. Uh, 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 got it right here at hand. Uh, the, you know, who uh, the, the infernal jokes. I'm not making this stuff up. These books really exist. I'm giving you guys a roadmap, you know, uh, um, the in, infernal jokes. He, his skill was that he said every woman to him was equally unattractive, meaning every woman to him was equally attractive, which meaning here you go, three infernal jokes, which means that he was living life beyond mythos to a certain degree, right? <laughs> yeah, take a drink. <laughs> and that's been my skill since I was 16 years old, sitting on that subway, refusing to give. I repeat, I was in LA, there's a, a pink, a fucking pink convertible Cadillac from the 1950s with a woman sit driving it, looking like Isadora Duncan with her head wrapped like Ava, Ava Gardner with this kind of white thing and her, her scarf blowing in the wind, cat-eye glasses, and sitting next to her on the seat is a fucking orangutan. She pulls this extended 360-degree in, 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 in the intersection turn. I'm standing there on the sidewalk, and I stare straight fucking ahead. I will not buy into this. What you need from me, you will never get enough of from me. So you will make me prisoner to your mythos because your mythos is, is a gaping maw of need that will never be filled by a mere human being. And it's everywhere. From this woman in Idaho who, you know, is out, fundamentally ended up defriending me because you know, the reality of it, that a guy who was in a band might uh, might be more popular than somebody who lived their whole life in relative anonymity in, in a Western state in America was not something that she could accept. 
People kill each other every single weekend because what's abridged is a sense of self that has at its core this belief that that self is the most important thing in the fucking world. Right? I mean, we come together in couples because because we are willing to support collectively held delusions about our importance. But if you have that naked lunch moment where you look, you know, I mean, when you look closer, I, I, I tell you, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, um, I'll be very frankly, in a way that you can all possibly understand. So I'm about to have uh, sexual contact with this uh, woman. And uh, her profession is dominatrix, right? And, um, and uh, but, you know, this is not a professional engagement. This is a personal engagement. You know, she's tall, six feet tall, you, you know, Every single mythos that you can that you could think of to make this an attractive story is in place. Like uh, Nicolas Cage in uh, in Peggy Sue got married. I got the hair. I got the teeth. <laughs> she had she had the hair. She had the teeth. You know the whole bit. Get back to her place. And uh, and I'm hustling a rush. I'm like hey, hey, they're tearing the clothes, and she goes. Uh, you know, I, 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 I got to use the bathroom. And usually that's enough to stop me. Somebody's going to piss. They got to put in a diaphragm. They got to do something, you know. And I'm just like, yeah, well, you know, you can, you know, we've been talking for a while. You don't have to piss right away. You know, we'll make out, roll around the couch. You know, I'm like, ah. And, and, and she goes, no, no, seriously, I got to go in the bathroom. I was ready for, I got to take a shit. I'm easy with that. I got to take a piss. I got to brush my teeth. I got, I got, I got any of these things. But what she says to me, she says, stop. I, I got to go into the bathroom. I got to wash my feet because my feet stink. Now, she had no way of knowing that I've got a foot phobia. <laughs> and she had no way of knowing that I'm sensitive to smells. So... So, so now she's in the bathroom. I can hear the water running, and she's washing her feet in the tub. And, and I'm doing everything in my power to preserve the mythos so I, and the magic so I don't end up running out of the house like all of Marilyn's dates. If you watch that old TV show, The Munster, and they get home and they see that she, her family all monsters and they all run away. <laughs> and I was like, nothing that is human should be strange to me. How is it you could live with her saying she had to take a big steaming dump, but smelly feet push you over a lot? But smelly feet are the ultimate human thing. Who is it? Kierkegaard wrote that book, Human All Too Human. And I don't need to tell you how that story ends. It'll be in my next novel. Oops, there we go. I just kicked loose the plug. So, and I, and I say this, first of all, I, I gave 34 minutes to this because there's not much of this fight that I want to talk about, but I do want to talk about it in connection to MMA because in MMA, we are prisoners of, of a mythos, a personal mythos, a personal one, where, where we are, for whatever reason, you, do, have you ever noticed that if we had the central, that we could central cast that we could create the perfect MMA fight. And let me give you an example of where I'm going with this, because it'll be too long if I spell it out. Not because of you guys, but just because of me. Okay, so if we had to typify, we're sitting down in front of a whiteboard at a meeting. So with Aria Manuel, I think in general, in gen like I remember having this discussion with somebody who said, which sports athlete gets gets the the most amount of groupies? And I said, I don't know. I said, football players? Why did I say that? Because obviously I'm immersed in in it. My mythos 
is is a strength culture one, which is accounts for why I end up having so many people who are avowed like kind of white supremacists find themselves in my orbit and like and or attracted to me, working with me somehow because they've realized that at a certain level, I was I got four sisters, got four daughters raised by all women. You know, my father and stepfather were there, but. You know, my stepfather's very retiring, very relaxed guy. No alpha, none of this hunting, fishing, punching people in the face stuff. No. That's something I got into to protect the inner woman. I'm sorry, I got tons of cables. I'm not trying to not trying to screw up here by crawl put my feet right. So strength culture. So I say football player. And they say no. No, basketball players. And I said tall, thin guys never, you know, I'm, I'm not a homosexual, so tall, thin guys haven't really attracted me. Some woman who I uh, used to go out with was telling me, yeah, no, one of the basketball players. I go, we, we, we. She used to figure it out. And then she was making some connection to penis. I hadn't made that connection. But they have the, the least amount of clothing on. They're pretty athletic. And you can sit right on the court. You can get pretty close to them. So they get the greatest number of groupies. I was like, oh, I never thought of that. No, the, uh, clearly, clearly, I said, uh, clearly, I said, uh, you know, football players, because I imagined that strength had something to do with it. No, that was my personal mythos. If we were t- sitting with Ari Emanuel and we we're talking, I, I think generally it could safely be said that most MMA fighters, most male MMA fighters are handsome guys. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Was he from the Jets or something? I said, in general, you have a few a few guys that are you know out outliers who you look at. Jesus, better guys. But in general, most of them are pleasing of countenance. Right? You ever think about that? You can't say that about other sports. You can't, in general, say that about yeah. Hey, most best baseball players, pretty handsome guys. Most basketball players are pretty handsome guys. No, there's a whole it's a wide panoply of different looks. My contention is that these guys are very much like me, developed an attraction to the cult of strength to, pr- to, to protect their inner female because if they're handsome guys now, they've been a, 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 ha- similarly handsome their whole life and have been abused. And you've met a lot of these cats who talk about, from, from Chris Woodpile Weidman, talks about how he was bullied when he was, who, uh, you know, George St. Pierre was running home from school. Israel Adansaya was bullied. Joe, Ho, Ho Jogain himself had bad bullying in his background. These were all people who were, right? The stories start to pile up. And they're physically in good shape. They're, they're, pre- they're, pretty, they're pretty athletic. So we, we, could, we could see the mythos inside of our field working, as well as defining the fans. You ever read about the guy, the Just Bleed guy? There's like some somebody did a biography on the Just Bleed guy, and the guy actually the heights of the highest highs and the lowest lows. Similar background. So so we are we are preset. Our mythos is preset before we get to this before we get to this fight game. And when we have a night like I did last night, where all my picks came out and I crushed John Nash. Sorry, that that was a digression. <laughs> I don't care so much about crushing Steph, but John Nash, I got a crush. No, no, no. And somebody said, "Oh, is they hate the player?" It was like, "Nah, you know, you, you, Eugene, you do your stuff on whims. You know, John is looking at facts and figures and numbers. Yeah, call it what you want. This is not science. This is witchcraft, which is why I'm number one again. But my point, my 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 point is that 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 um. The mythos of this sport has to exist hand in hand with moments that exist that we're choosing to ignore, a la the smelly feet, a la, hey, how come Santa has the same writing that mom and dad have, a la, there's an effort made to, to, to profit off of mythos and minimize the magic so that we have to work harder to maintain the magic, to, to, to embrace the ethos. By, by, by which I mean that this sport, r- r- routinely, it's like a bad drug. There you go. If, if, you, if you were losing patience with what I was trying to say, that's what I'm trying to say.
Mythos is magnified. Sorry, you can't see my hand. Mythos is magnified. Magic is reduced. And, 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 to, and to proceed apace, you have to consistently just ignore. <laughs> How much stuff do you have to ignore? How much? So one of you in the comments earlier made, made, made a question about the headlining fight, Rob Font and, and, uh, and uh, uh, Garbrandt, Cody Garbrandt. When you see what happened to Garbrandt last night, you know what happens? You understand exactly why Johnny Boney Joni is holding out, why he should hold out, and whether he should do the Eugene S. Robinson compulsory self-advancement approach to ultimatums and go like, you do what you got to do, bro. I had a girlfriend. She's screaming at me on the phone. And I said, listen, the problem is, I'll tell you what the problem is. Click. Hangs up the phone on me. These are old days when you actually had phones that you could hang up. Yep. Hang up. Hangs up the phone. And I was like, okay. And I go about my business. I just do whatever I have to do. I don't even remember. I was doing something and, you know, three hours goes by. She calls me. I go, yeah. She goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm going to go out. I'm just getting some stuff ready. She goes, you know, you're supposed to call me back. What do you mean supposed to? She said, you're supposed to. This is what you're supposed to. In other words, the mythos here is that you call me back. Every shitty movie, sitcom, romantic comedy, you call me back. That she didn't say that, that's my interpretation. I didn't call back. Because insofar as possible, I try to, <laughs> you got to be careful with this. I was about to say, I try to live a mythos-free existence. No, I don't want to live that kind of existence. But I want to have, like the bad drugs or good drugs, I want to have the mythos serve, serve, what, as near as I can tell, is the actual. And I don't want the mythos to serve the mythos, which is where you end up on a street corner going, hey, man, I'm fine. I got this under control. I got this under control. I can stop anytime I want to. No, I don't think I don't think you can you can substitute mythos for 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 stereotypes because because a mythos is is, is three hundred and sixty degrees. I mean, a stereotype is if I've been mugged by a guy in a red sweater, one guy in a red sweater, and the second guy who mugs me is in a red sweater, and five guys mug me in red sweaters, then I start to come to this conclusion that guys in red sweaters are probably going to fuck me over. I mean, you know, stereotypes can be manipulated. It's hard. It is hard to manipulate a mythos, which is why we're still all fucking here. Because we wouldn't put up with this shit from baseball, from football, from hockey, sports that we feel lukewarm about. But we're not yet in this sport because, because our mythos is lukewarm about this culture of strength thing. You know, listen, let me tell you, I, the moments in which I have been backed down are burned. And these are, are moments in which the actual just trounced the mythos. If I was screwed up, I would believe that's what happened. And actual fact, what I really believe happened is the mythos was a an out of control, an out of control mythos was, was adjusted by the actual. That's what happened. These are moments that instead of hating them, I should be thankful for. But they burn. They burn. They burn the same way that if you're an alcoholic and you run some kid down, you might feel bad about that for a long time to come. For a long time to come. So we come to this sport with, with, with things that we don't articulate to ourselves or others, but we find each other. We find each other in the sport. And sadly, the drum major for the sport that we're all involved in, the demiurge, the taking the, you know, 
the platonic triad of good, true, and beautiful, and, 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 and translating that into the sense world that surrounds us, given our particular mythos, is the bald one. So you look at Garbrandt, who they, who they kept, if they said it once, they said it a million times, one-time champ, one-time champ, one-time champ, Cardi Garbrandt, one-time champ. Johnny Boney Joni should say, you know what? I understand you, like, like the girl who said, you know, you should, you should call me back. Like, I'm sure the bald one is like, let's play this game. I'm going to play some hard ball. I'm going to give it to Derek Lewis. I'm going to say this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go here. And Johnny Boy should just say, you know what I'm not doing? I'm not playing any games with you guys. I'm not, I'm actually not playing a game. Not playing a game. Not fucking around. Not playing a game. Me, Nick Diaz, we'll be hanging out. You want to find us? Come find us. Don't? Cool. I got enough money to live comfortably the rest of my life. I got nothing. Like Jeff Galuli, I got nothing to prove to you. Yeah. Harry with the snake on his face. You know? And 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 a, honest to God, I got honest to God at this point now, if, jo if Johnny Boney Joni backs down, that's going to burn. In actual fact, I'm not prepared to I'm prepared for him to back down, but I'm not prepared to believe that he really backed down because the bald one, Mr. Sausage on the plates, will sell the appearance of backing down before he it's just as easily as he would sell the real backing down. And the reality of it is, if I'm Johnny Boney Joni, 100 percent, he gives me 20 mil and then he wants to sell the fiction that I took at the short end money. Let him do it. I don't care because I'm out for me if I'm Johnny Boney Joni. But you look at Garbrandt, and it's not like I want to feel sorry for the guy, but you tell me exactly where he is right now. Somebody in the comments and somebody else said, is he dark-starred? He's not dark-starred. No, not yet. Garbrandt is, is Phantom Tollbooth with a high number. He's a basement gatekeeper now. <laughs> He's not looking at this. For those just listening on the radio, I'm making the universal sign of a belt around my waist. He's not, he's not looking at this. He's looking at stopping some guys who are somewhere ranked from 8 to 20. Yeah, it's got a crowd in his basement. You maybe let me up. Those are the only two jobs you get. You either sit in the Phantom Toll booth with a number that says 703,625. Or you say, okay, I'm gonna be a basement, um, Donald Cerrone style basement gatekeeper. Keep in mind that two scenarios that we see are Gar Garbrandt. And if you had to choose between Garbrandt and Johnny Boney Joni, who do you choose to be at this point? I choose to be Johnny Boney Joni. If if you if you know if you know if you and somebody else said, said in one of the other comments he said if if you think that the Baldwin intends to have somebody else pull a, a McNuggets McRapist you're wrong never will he allow any other fighter to get that kind of sway ever again confirmed by everything that that, that McAnal does right now if you had to be Johnny Boney Joni or Rob Font. Who do you choose to be? So, well, you see, Rob, you won. You see, your fourth or fifth in the row. What are you gonna What are you gonna do next? And he's given the complicated. Well, and he's given the the what he thinks is the Sean Shelby, you know, also known as Keith, answer. You know, the our MMA Stratomat League, where he's like, well, if this guy's number three, I should be number four. I should make sure. What the fuck are you talking about? I sat outside the Baldwin's office when I had a meeting with Jennifer Wank. The Uffsi in Vegas, and I watched how he spends his day, <laughs> or at least an hour of it. As I said, well, I didn't wait an hour; I waited about twenty minutes. I got to see twenty minutes of the ball one's day. You know what it was like? It was like watching a movie where you told told a not such great actor act like you're working. I don't particularly like I don't particularly like Garbrandt. But there's a big difference between liking a guy and feeling bad about what's going to, like, you know, a friend of mine said, she's like, I'm going to go to hell. I go, why are you going to go to hell? 
She goes, I was walking down the street today and a meter maid got hit by a car and was laying there in the street. And I go, okay. She says, no, no. The first thing I, I did was go, ah, that's what you get. <laughs> it was an automatic reaction. She felt bad. Like, I don't have to particularly like Garbrandt, but I feel bad about it. I feel bad that these are the choices. Rob Font should be on top of the world, won the fight. But you know that there's no success stories here. I picked our spas, our spa, uh, uh, Carla Esparza. I was all, I was 100% on. I was on fire. If you think I'm going to go through each one of the fights, you're crazy. But let's, 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 because I, because it ties in, so I, so I must. And we're coming to the end. We've got nine minutes, so let's, let's, let's do it. So, um, uh, suddenly my, my throat feels like it's closing. Uh, I stepped on a rusty nail somehow. So, okay, more fights. I'm not going to talk about all these. I had two fights on the care. So uh, I, Hermanson and Shabazian, the fight ended the way I thought it was going to end. Uh, if, you, if you care, go back. I don't want to talk about it for a minute. Go back and watch Care, Don't Care. That's all I got to tell you. I'm not going to talk about Ramos, Algeria. I don't give a shit. Felicia Spencer. Norbert Dumont, Justin Tata, Jerry Devena, Jan Jaunan, and Carla Esposa. And that's exactly what I thought she would do. I thought she would, uh, and I, I guess Roswell, right? Yeah. Actually, it doesn't, it, me talking about any of these other fights that I picked on the card, other three fights on the card, is like me arguing the better points of the really terrible drugs that we all just did. Because Carla Esparza won this fight at 19 and 6. Where does that put her? Jan is 13 and 2. Where does that put her? You do understand, you do understand that 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 I don't title. What does that title mean? What does that title mean? What does that title mean? You do realize, you, you do realize at this point in time that the only way, one, let, let, let me sympathy for the devil time. Let me say that the UFC absolutely could not be where it is at this point in time without the bald one. Which is precisely why at this point in time, the UFC has to move beyond the bald one. There was some fantastic number I got from a VC guy. He was like, hey, do you know how many CEOs, uh, how many founders and then ultimately CEOs end up staying when the company goes public or gets to running public? And the number is an amazingly small. A very small, uh, 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 a very small uh, percentage of you will know who I'm talking about right now if I say these two words, Martin Eberhard, quick, who is he? Now, yeah, you can't hear all of you who go to Google, doesn't count. Too late. You blew it. Martin Eberhard is the guy who started Tesla. Don't feel sorry for Martin Eberhard. He's probably, probably plenty rich. But he's no longer the CEO of Tesla. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And there's a reason it happens all the time. It happens all the time because companies outgrow the guy who got him there. Imagine if you would, if you still had to go out with your high school girlfriend. I had it, my high school girlfriend was great for when I was 17. Wouldn't be so great at the age of 57. But maybe, I don't know. I know a few people who are high school sweethearts and are married to this day. And the wife's cheat. Anyway, I, you know, and the husband's cheat. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not involved with the husbands if they're cheating. Is you what I'm saying. He's got to go. He has got to go. He has got to go. Got to go. 
Is boxing better or worse as a result of the ministrations of Bob Arum, uh, Don King, and, and Oscar de la Ho later day Oscar de la Hoya? Boxing better off, worse because of them. And MMA is not. Can you, I mean, look, people always his name always comes up in the conversation like we're talking about a real person. Vince McMahon is about as real as a person as I am a nuclear scientist. So somewhere between Vince McMahon and Don King and uh, I keep wanting to say Lou Duva, Bob Arum, you got the bald one. He's got to go. He's got to go. Do you realize, you, I mean, you do realize that, uh, you do realize that, uh, that we're sunk without him. Our mythos that, that eventually we will succumb to the smelly feet in the bathroom because that's all the bald one is selling us these days. Because suddenly it's become about his mythos. He has become like the woman in Idaho who was outraged Dana White's contender series. That's why I call him the bald one. Not to hurt, because he's hairless and I want to hurt his feelings, but because I can't feed into this, this never-ending gaping maw of need that has him losing sight of the prize. In my mind, Marty Eberhardt's a winner. Nick Diaz, somebody was like, oh, you're Nick Diaz, you end up like Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz, if you see, happier than I've ever seen him. I've seen him up close and personal, happier, physically healthier than I've ever seen him. That's the bald one's fiction that you need this sport to be complete. That you know, and and also I want to take a victory before I conclude the show. I want to take a little victory lap here for the whole Bill Gates thing. I tried to bring it up on if the shoes fit. Kid Nate was shouting me down. I can you guys think like uh hate the game was saying, oh, you know, Eugene's whims. I know stuff that you don't know. I know. I I I got shit, I got plates, I'm like Topo Gigio, I got plates spinning. And this goes back to when I was at Corporate Computing Magazine, Enterprise Computing Magazine. It was doing an article on the computer system that runs Caesar's Palace. And the guys were telling me, oh, Bill Gates is in here all the time. I go, what, that nerd? And the guy's like, no, dude, he's in a high roller room, man. He's completely, he's hardcore. Bill Gates is in the poker? Yeah, in the poker room. He's doing, I get all my gossip from about Bill Gates for years, for years. The guy got was a billionaire, a multimillionaire when he was fucking before he was 21. Some guy said to me the other day, says, oh, Eugene, do you think you know you're you're a hot shit because you had sex with a lot of women? I said, no, 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 you're missing the point. You don't have sex with a lot of men women because then you go and tell the world that you had sex with a lot of women. That's not the why that's not the functioning reason why you need to do that. You need to do that to a you know to exhaust that mythos. Because, you know, I mean, men don't, don't talk frankly with each other, but you know you'd be sitting around, you had the most wonderful woman in the world, and, you know, you'd be at a restaurant, somebody walked by, and you go, eh, you know, I've never had sex with a, a five-foot-six red-headed chick who's, you know, wears Crocs. <laughs> and then you go... <laughs> And that door opens and then boom, you're there in divorce court losing half your shit. You got to exhaust it. You have to, you have to have sex with as many people as you can to completely exhaust it. Exhaust it so that you're not sitting around in some quiet, weak moment going, ah, you know, man. Bill Gates is a multimillionaire by the time he's 21. Of course the dude's going to fucking lose his mind. He's going to lose his mind. He just lost it with the wrong cat. And when Epstein went down, let me tell you something. Dude's in a serious place. I'm going to reveal a little bit more to you. Her language when she fight, irrevocably broken is very different from irreconcilable differences. <laughs> yeah, Joe B, that's funny. 
irretrievably broken, different from irreconcilable differences. And let me tell you something else. Dude is in a kind of peril that you're not even thinking about. Because husband and wife can't be, or a union, and can't be forced to testify against each other. Oh. Oh. No longer husband and wife. Testimony. You would think they got so, he's the richest person in the world. He's got so many billions of dollars. Why are they fucking around in court over this and that and that? Because one half of that equation is going to start to lose stuff and has also got to start paying people off so that uh, the other half of the equation doesn't have to testify against them. I think. I, I, I think you have to exhaust yourself. So, so, dude, look, he's not fucked the way you or I would be fucked. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But he's fucked. <laughs> he's fucked. I don't care how many malaria cures, whatever. You got you, you're second. You knew the dude was after. Listen, listen. I told somebody. Uh, I was talking to my kids. My kid had a graduation party last night. I went over to my ex's house. Went over there, and we were start. Um, 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 we started talking about racism, and and, and and she goes, "Dad, you have a lot of friends." You know, we have a lot of friends who who other people think are racist, but they seem to like you. And I go, yeah, yeah, well, it's interesting. But for whatever reason, it doesn't bother me, you know? Yeah, man. Or like the guy who stabbed his wife, the lawyer who stabbed his wife several times, and his defense was that he slipped. The floor was so slippery, I slipped and I had a knife in my hand. She said, you have a lot of friends who seem that the rest of the world will hold to be racist, yet they count you as their friends. I go, yeah, I can't explain that. Well, I can, but it's like I did at the beginning of the show. But I don't, you know, kids party yesterday, I don't want to get into it. But I, and I said, but you know something? In other words, people who think I'm not doing any gatekeeping, I think many of us have friends that might harbor racist sympathies and we maintain them. We might handle them with a long spoon depending on how crazy they are, let them get closer or not. But many of us can claim more people like that than the other ist. I don't have any friends knowingly that are rapists. And I don't care if rapists might try to pull me into their camp. I'm not maintaining friendships with people who are known to be rapists. I will have a perfectly reasonable evening like I did with it, my dinner with a Nazi over in Hamburg, perfectly comfortable evening with a guy who was an actual fucking Nazi. Well, it wasn't comfortable. We were at each other all night, but whatever. I'm not standing on the same line at, at Starbucks with a fucking rapist, even though I've probably done that quite a few times not knowing it. And Bill Gates chose to hang out with a guy who he knew was a rapist, or at least a sexual assaulter, fundamentally. And at that point, that's when she started seeking a divorce. Because she gave a shit about his strength, pee-pee? No, because it was financially in-fucking-prudent and morally incorrect and guaranteed the kind of exposure that the richest man in the world shouldn't think he's immune from. He says he want to help getting a peace. Really? Really? What? Well, maybe Charles Manson could have helped you with the Pulitzer. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, fuck that. Fuck that. Anyway, the show's over. I'm still on the hunt for somebody to get this stuff up on YouTube in a more cohesive way than this crappy live studio thing that I'm doing that, that makes me late for every show. Um... Yeah, custody of the money before the court takes it away, but he's also got to grease a lot of palms. And also, depending on how deep this Epstein thing goes, dude's going to, his reputation is going to be trounced. Get off that fucking train. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how, how, to, how to control the mythos, but I tell you, I feel perfectly comfortable. I, at first, I felt a sense of anxiety. And when I say at first, I'm talking about Maybe 10 months ago when I started to have this feeling that me and MMA might not be a long-term relationship. 
and now and now I feel like Bukowski in in, in Barfly when Faye Dunaway says to Mickey Rourke says as you know as Wanda says I have cops don't you just hate them and Mickey Rourke as Charles Bukowski says no but I just feel better when they're not around. It's like, yeah, don't you just hate the bald one in MMA? Somebody might say to me this time next year, and I'll be like, no, I just feel better when they're not around. Cody Garbrandt. That's what you want Johnny Boney Joni to do? That's what you want him to be? Fuck you. Anyway, the show's done. Uh, there's no care, don't care this week. So Monday afternoon, you got nothing. Um, you, you got Showstopper. You can watch it from the beginning and figure out what the hell I'm talking about. Tuesday, you got uh, Nash is on If the Shoes Fit. Um, actually, hold on. He, he, um, 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 Monday is the Chris Rini, 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 Rini book. Art of Violence. You got to get it fast. Get, get it fast just so I got one. Seriously, honest to God. He says he's going to send me one. I don't trust that guy. Never trust somebody whose last name ends in a vowel. <laughs> Maybe some explanation as to why all of the UD's friends are racist. <laughs> no, that's what they used to say back in the 40s about Italians. It's a great book. I didn't get the first one either, so I don't know what I'm talking about, but I've seen parts of the second one. So that's tomorrow, Tuesday, if the shoes fit. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the Substack, get the piece. I'm sure I'm going to be savaged for it. Because I'm an old punk rocker. I welcome it. Come on. You want to smash me? You got nothing for me. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and then next week, next week is uh, Memorial Day. You know, maybe there'll be more exploding cars on my street. Blown up, exploding. Who can tell the difference? Uh, anyway, try to stay alive until next Sunday. We'll see you then. The kid is not in the house. I can comfortably say, look what you made me do.